Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Recently, I went to an event that was dissecting the meaning of modern motherhood. I know you should be very impressed. I'm impressed with myself. I got chatting with a mum who was sitting in my row about how prevalent mother guilt was. And she had a really interesting story about how she overcame it. She told me about this audio series she'd listened to, which got me intrigued. She sent it to me later and I've started listening to it, but I decided that I was going to grab her and bring her in the studio to chat about it because I think mother guilt is such a universal experience and hearing from each other as parents can be incredibly helpful, how other people have dealt with it, not just how experts tell us to deal with it. Her name is Lily Sussman and she has very graciously agreed to come in on her day off. Hi Lily, how are you? I'm really well, thanks for having me. I bet you never thought you'd go to the Opera House, you'd end up being dragged into a radio studio. I never thought but it's delightful and I'm excited. Okay, well what we were talking about, um, can you explain your situation and why you in particular were feeling guilty like Feeling that mom guilt. I started feeling mom guilt probably once she was born, but I didn't really kind of realize how badly I was feeling until she was uh, maybe about three. Um, I I'm a full time working mom. I work five days, and I uh, also didn't have the best parenting models growing up. So I didn't have that much confidence in my own parenting, and my husband, bless him has a fantastic way with kids. And he came from this very loving family. His mother is an expert in early childhood education. So he always felt like, in my eyes, knew what to do. And I always felt a little bit insecure next to him. And so I I didn't even know that I was carrying around this guilt. It was completely obtuse to me. Um, all I knew was that I was rushing home every day after work as fast as I could, trying to get there in time for, you know, bath and bedtime and trying to do the routine and trying to carve out all my weekends, no time for me, just time for my daughter. Um, but it never felt like enough. You know, it felt like she rejected me very often when I was there. She preferred her dad. Um, I didn't know why. I thought maybe it was just I wasn't around enough, but I was around as much as I humanly could be. Um, so I, I really was, I did not know what was the root cause. And uh, I got really lucky when I discovered the work of uh, Brené Brown. And we'll talk about Brené Brown in a minute. I don't want to dwell on it because it can be quite a painful experience. But I know my son um, was a bit like that with my husband, still is sometimes. He prefers him to me. It can be heartbreaking. And it's unexpected, right? Because you don't expect, you know, they're only small. You can't really hold them accountable for it. But it still really hurts, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It it really guts you. I mean, it's like you just want to be there for them. You're trying really hard to be present. Um, but if they just reject you, like she would do this one thing where she would take a nap you know, fingers crossed sometimes during the day. And if she took a nap, she'd wake up and she'd be screaming, um, no, mommy, no, mommy. That was the first thing on her lips when she woke up. And she would be like, daddy cuddle, daddy cuddle. 
And it just broke my heart because I was like, oh, my God, why? Why daddy cuddle? You know, mommy cuddles good. You know, I'm softer. softer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, got breasts. Soft, yeah. <laughs> um, you used to love them. Um, yeah. So oh, it was it was really, really heartbreaking. And I just couldn't figure out why. And you say you stumbled across Brené Brown and her work. What was it in particular you found and, and what how did you find it? How did it? Why did it speak to you when you saw it? Yeah, so you know what? I actually kind of discovered in small increments. I had first listened to the TED Talk. Someone, a friend of mine had mentioned it. I hadn't really jumped on it. I think I listened to her TED Talk that went viral, and I didn't think too much of it. Um, What really happened was uh, last year, just about a year ago, I actually um, got in an accident where I suffered a brain injury. And it was a a concussion, not a serious one, but nevertheless serious enough to take me off work for, um, you know, I'm still only part-time. I'm still recovering. And I was actually home a lot more because I wasn't working. But I couldn't be present with her because I had a brain injury. I couldn't read. I couldn't take care of her. So um, I, like, the mother guilt thing kind of ratcheted up so high. I had to do something about it because I was just feeling terrible about myself because I had lost my brain temporarily. I lost my identity. I didn't know how to be myself. And so I um, kind of was looking around for just things to comfort myself. And I found Renee Brown's work on Oprah's Super Soul Sundays podcast. And then I got into, you know, listening to her book on Audible and then reading her books and so on. And uh, that's how I came upon it. So the one that we talked about specifically when um, after this event, we went for a drink and you were telling me um, about her book, audiobook was um, The Power of Vulnerability, isn't it? Yeah. And you later you sent it to me and I am still in the middle of it and I am still loving it. And I don't expect you to break down Brené Brown's complete <laughs> philosophy. But what was it specifically, do you think, that um, spoke to you about your particular experience with your daughter? Because she talks about a lot of different things and yeah. all of it's amazing. But was yeah, there yeah. one thing in particular that stuck with you? Yeah, you know, she doesn't talk about mum mother guilt. But what she does talk about is her research is on shame and vulnerability. And she distinguishes shame from guilt, which was the big kind of one of the big unlocks. The shame thing is a focus on self, whereas guilt is a focus on behavior. So that's really about how I was talking to myself. You know, when I said to myself, I'm not sure I'm a good mom, I don't really know what I'm doing. Maybe, you know, she needs me to do ABC. I don't know. Um, that was shaming. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yesterday, you know, I came home too late. I'll Tomorrow I'll come home earlier. You know, it wasn't a focus on behavior. The way I talked to myself was really about the self. And it was about myself as a lack, lacking parent in some way. Some way there was a prerequisite for my worthiness as a parent. And I couldn't figure out what that prerequisite was. And she said her work basically says and shows empirically that Shame is extremely dangerous, and it's never productive. It will never make you a better parent, human, anything. And so to let go of all of that and to try to replace it with the idea that worthiness has no prerequisites. There's no prerequisites for being a good parent. You just are, you know. Um, And then you can just focus on being there and, and enjoying it, like actually leaning into the joy of parenting rather than constantly worrying about Am I doing it right? Is this enough? You know, is she saying, I want daddy because I'm not good enough? Like, 
that that was kind of the big unlock, which was that no, you know, my worthiness as a parent was not something that is in question because my worthiness as a human being on any front is not in question. That was a totally revolutionary idea to me. You know, uh, so when I discovered that work and there's all this great empirical research behind it, I thought, wow, this is this is real. Like this is not just psycho, you know, psycho babble. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, nothing against psycho. I I totally am a big believer in psychology and the science of it. But this was just so convincing, um, and there was so much good evidence behind it. And I thought, okay, okay. So what does what does my self talk look like if I did not shame myself? Um, and um, it's kind of like. It was magical because I didn't have to think too much about it. Once I let go of the I'm terrible, I'm terrible tape in my mind that was playing when I was with her, she just responded immediately. It was like this magical thing where she just let me love her in a way that she didn't before. She responded almost immediately. And I don't feel like I had to do anything for that to happen. It, it was more like I stopped expecting her to validate me. You know, I stopped reading whatever she was doing as a sign of my own bad parenting and lack of worthiness. I stopped doing all these things that I had no idea I was doing. But it turned out those were the things. You mentioned that some of the things Brene Brown suggests is practicing gratitude. Is there anything that you've taken out of the series that you didn't do before that you do do now, like little rituals or anything like that to keep you on this path? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the big things she talks about is uh, something she calls joy foreboding, which is a vulnerability shield, um, things that prevent us from being vulnerable, you know, things that get in the way of us ridding ourselves of shame. And um, joy foreboding is the idea that, you know, we've all experienced it. Like there's this perfect moment where everything's perfect. Your kid is behaving so well. They're so beautiful. They're asleep. And <laughs> <laughs> and and you're just like, this is amazing. Then the next thought you have, of course, is, oh, my God, what if she dies? Kid cancer, car accident, you know, something terrible like that. And we do that because we're dress rehearsing tragedy. Like we're going to beat vulnerability to the punch because we're dress rehearsing it. And, of course, the research shows that that doesn't work. It doesn't make the actual pain of those kinds of events any easier whatsoever. In fact, people who suffer those events immediately think, I wish I had leaned into the moments of joy more. That's what they always say. So now I catch myself joy foreboding or I just catch myself not letting myself enjoy a moment. And I just I stop and I enjoy I just kind of I literally like shrug my shoulders and let my shoulders down a little bit. And I just enjoy it. And that that's it's like how I don't know, it's given me the perceived experience of creating more time in my busy day. Like I'm always rushing her through all the routines, right? Morning, you got to get her dressed. You got to go to work. You got to get yourself right. It's like rush, rush, rush. But now that I sort of let myself enjoy the moment for a minute, I realize that I have probably a few minutes, you know, in those few minutes, I could kind of just let it, let it hang and just enjoy her and have a moment of play. And it actually doesn't take more time. It actually takes the same time as being all tense and trying to rush her through it. So um, yeah, I would say, leaning into the little moments. I mean, it's not like I can do that all the time, but but when I can. 
You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Lily Sussman, an unsuspecting event goer who was sitting next to me at an event that was basically looking at the meaning of modern motherhood. And we started chatting about mother guilt, which I said in the introduction, I feel is a universal experience. And Lily was talking about when we met and we were chatting, she was talking about how the work of Brené Brown, in particular her work um, on an audio book called The Power of Vulnerability, really helped her switch the switch uh, what is it flick the switch really helped her flick the switch on her own mother guilt and I was fascinated because I was like how does that work I want to flick that switch and what you were saying then I agree having listened to it now that you've sent it to me and the difference between shame and guilt I used to walk around saying to everyone I'm so guilty I should be a Catholic and I have no religious upbringing. I've never been taught like that. Sorry to all you Catholics out there. It's just that thing that we all say about Catholics. But um, I realized when I listened to that exactly the same thing as you. I wasn't feeling guilty. I was feeling shame. I was feeling that, and that I still do sometimes, um, feel like I'm not enough. And she talks a lot about that in her work. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing that I just keep reminding myself, which is, uh, she, her work uh, kind of contrasts people who fought their way to what she calls wholeheartedness, who are letting themselves be vulnerable, who are leaning into joy, you know, who aren't hiding from life. They're in touch with their deepest selves. They own their stories. Those people um, fight their way to there because they say to themselves, I am enough. You know, and they have all these daily practices, like just simple stuff like practicing gratitude. But I think at the foundation of it, it is I am enough. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking as well of that description you said about rushing home from work and trying to make sure you're there for every single moment. But then your daughter, it's all it's about quant- quality, not quantity, isn't it? It is. It is. And quality, I realize quality isn't like you know, I've got to go take her to a special performance of the ballet, or I've got to arrange a, spe- you know, I've got to take her to the zoo or something special. That's, I mean, that's great. That's fun if it's fun for me and for her. But quality for me was just letting go of the prerequisites for for being a worthy parent. And uh, just kind of letting myself enjoy her for myself and not feeling like I have to do something all the time or have to try to do something or be anything other than myself, that turned out to be quality time. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel now about, I mean, you, you mentioned you're working part-time now and, and healing from the brain injury and getting back to working full-time. Are you confident now that you can go back to full-time work and continue to leave the mother guilt behind? I mean, I I think, as um, she says, and, and I believe, the striving to be wholehearted and to love yourself um, so that you can love others is not like a once and done. <laughs> so I feel like I still have to do it regularly, like, you know, practice saying, like, I'm enough and practice just letting myself enjoy it. And if something goes wrong, like I'm impatient or, you know, inevitably she gets a tantrum, I don't react well, um, I can uh, just, like, be guilty rather than shamed. Um, I go, oh, that was a mistake, and move on. 
And if I just remind myself of that, I feel confident that, yes, I can navigate it. Do I feel like it's going to be perfect? Not at all. But I feel like I'm able to embrace the imperfections. Like I have a way of dealing with the imperfections. I can acknowledge them without feeling terrible about myself. Lily, I think that is a perfect place to end our discussion. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. What a pleasure. I love talking to potential other moms. I feel like we're all in a sisterhood. That's Lily Sussman. She is the unsuspecting event goer that I managed to get in the studio to talk about her experience of mother guilt. We'll put links up to the audio series by Brené Brown that Lily was speaking about on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.